0: What's up, everybody? Ryan Ruco, CC Sabathia here. A brand new episode of R2C2, a podcast that we like to think gives you outstanding insights into the athletes you watch on TV. And sometimes those insights come during the biggest moments of the year. Oh, of course, you could also just be watching those athletes in person, too, at the stadium or arena or wherever it might be. But I say it this way because this week we get to chat with Tristan McKenzie who is the game three starter for the Cleveland Guardians against the Yankees in this ALDS series. He'll be on the mound Saturday night and I really think uh, first of all, it's just cool that we can talk to one of the starting pitchers in this format uh, during this series and I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Tristan had an incredible year, especially from his July 3rd start against the Yankees on his final 17 starts. This guy pitched to an ERA barely above two He was top 10 in the majors in so many big categories, and he's going to be the man the Yankees have to try and figure out on Saturdays. 25 years old, really smart young guy. Um, You're going to learn a lot of interesting things about him, and I think just be impressed by him in general, Uh, and it'll give you more insight for when you watch Game 3 on Saturday. Uh, We do also want to react to what we saw at Yankee Stadium Tuesday night in Game 1. I think there were a lot of key things that you have to feel good about if you're the Yankees. You know, first of all, Garrett Cole, not only did he go the six and a third and give up just one run and strike out eight, but there were multiple times where his defense let him down and he did not let that break him. That is something you want to see from Garrett Cole, who we have seen at times this year when something goes a little awry or off plan, he all of a sudden finds himself in a snowball situation with a a, a tougher inning than maybe it could have been if he would have just made one big pitch to get out of it. To, to pick his teammates up after a mistake or to, you know, get himself back on schedule. So to speak in this game, you know, you had right away kiner Falefa's error and then Donaldson dropping, what would have been a strike him out, throw him out, double play. Cole doesn't break. Then you have Rizzo coming home too quickly, not looking at the runner and just going to the bag. Bases loaded one out. Cole doesn't break. He gets out of it without allowing a run. So I think you feel great about Garrett Cole and what he did and keep this in mind. You know, Garrett Cole, you could maybe have some questions about, oh, what's he going to deliver? Just because this year was a little up and down at times for him when you're just comping him to just wanting to be a dominant lights out ace every moment. Right. Um, But this is a guy who's pitched very well in October in his career. So if you're going into a saying like, oh, can he handle October? Yeah, he can handle October. Garrett Cole can 100 percent handle the moment. If he struggles in any start during this run, which the Yankees obviously hope has him starting five times, six times, it's not going to be because he can't handle October. It's going to be because, you know, he just struggled. That doesn't mean you want that or would accept that. But let's be very clear. October is not something that Cole struggles with. And this was another start where he proved that. Look at his numbers in the DS and his career. They are absolutely incredible. So that was a huge win. The way the Yankees pieced together the bullpen was a big win. You know, obviously there's no one in that bullpen that you go into these playoffs feeling like as a total trusted arm. That's a very different place than where we've seen the Yankees in decades in the playoffs, because even in the post Rivera years, you had three or four arms that you felt like you totally trusted going into the playoffs. That doesn't mean they didn't eventually fail as we saw many of them did, but you went into the playoffs feeling like I got three or four guys that I totally trust, you know, whether it was a a, a Robertson, a Soriano, or it's a a Kainley, a, a Britton, you know, a Chapman, uh, a Outavino uh, before he struggled. Like there was varying degrees of trust, but every year you felt like you had four or five arms in the pen, you felt great about. That's not how you feel this year. In some ways, it makes it interesting, right? Because there's not just a defined. This guy's pitching the seventh. This guy's pitching the eighth. This guy's pitching the ninth. There's not even a defined, we're only going to use relievers. You may have to use starters on their throw day. In some ways, I think it's interesting because it really does become a getting those 27 outs by committee every single night. It's an all in team effort. And I thought Aaron Boone pulled all the right strings. And I was a little worried when he took out Wandy Peralta after just eight pitches where he got four outs and looked like he could certainly go longer. But Boone went to Holmes, and you know what? Clay Holmes maybe gets a little confidence from that. And that is the arm that has the highest ceiling in your bullpen. So kudos to Aaron Boone for getting Clay Holmes back in there. Holmes coming through, and now he feels a little better about himself. Boone feels a little better about him. Also, you need offense from places other than Aaron Judge, and you got that in game one. You got it from Bader. You got it from Donaldson. You got it from Rizzo. That's another part of the formula you're going to need. And then Yankee Stadium. It was electric. See throughout the first pitch. It was an incredible environment and exactly what you'd want. This is a fan base, thirsty for a championship, loving this team, feeling like it's been a special season, a historic season, and that title is possible. And you could feel that energy in the ballpark. So I think all good things for the Yankees in game one. But remember, it's one game. Let's not go crazy. Still a lot of work to be done against the Guardians before you even think about anything else. Some of that work will come in Game Three against stud young right-hander Tristan McKenzie, one of what seems like an unlimited amount of great young arms that have come through the Cleveland system. CC, of course, was one of them. Tristan is now one of them. So without further ado, here is Tristan McKenzie on R two C two. Well, Tristan, I have to ask, first and foremost, how excited were you uh, about CeCe making good on his, his word and, and coming to see you make your first playoff start?
1: So I actually didn't even know he was there the whole time I was pitching, at least. Uh, it might have been good for me. I'd have been a little nervous. But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, it was nice to, to have him come out and support and just know he was there in the building, especially like when I got off the mound. And just know that I went out there and kind of did my thing.
2: Yeah, no, it was I definitely I had to show up. You know what I mean? I, I knew once he was pitching game two. I looked at the schedule. Uh I, I called the commissioner. I was like, we gotta be in Cleveland for game two. So uh mm-hmm. you know, I hitched a ride and was able to watch him go out and do his thing. It's, it was great to be just in that atmosphere. Like for me to going back to Cleveland, you know, as a, you know, former player there and to see the fans and, and downtown and how excited they were. And to see him go out and pitch well was amazing because I hadn't seen that stadium full like that in a long time. And, and uh, it, it was a great atmosphere again.
0: See, you watching Tristan this year, what has stood out to you and, and how did you guys connect?
2: I think just for me what stood out the biggest is just watching him being able to stay even keel. It's just, you know, he don't get too high, too low. It's just kind of staying in the same spot. You don't know if he's up by 10 runs or if they're down by 10 runs just it's, it's com- I'm coming right after you I'm going to fill up the strike zone and and you know try to get after you so that's the that's the thing that I've seen him or or just any starter you know when you see them get to that to that level where they're just attacking nothing else matters don't matter the count don't matter the score I'm coming after you and throwing you my best stuff and I'm just going to execute all game um I feel like he got to that point really you know really early in the season and just kind of wrote it out. To be honest,
0: Tristan, you, you go out and your first playoff start, and you totally dominate. I mean, how did you keep emotions in check? How did you, you know, allow yourself to just cruise the way that you did in such a big spot?
1: Uh, I think a lot of it was trying to remind myself that as much as I could, it was the same game. Uh, and I think one, I think, uh, a majority of that was like being able to throw game two and kind of watch game one and see how interactive the fans were and kind of just almost get accustomed to the the environment a little bit, allowed me to kind of go out there and almost kind of be myself a little bit more and not get caught up in the outside noise or, or focus on anything besides going out there and trying to do my job.
0: Now, when you are, uh, you, you're looking at the series against the Yankees and you're slated for game three and it's going to be back home. Is there any part of you that's happy to not be pitching at Yankee stadium, but be on your home mound instead?
1: Uh, I mean, I think I'm I'm happy that I'm going to get to throw in front of the home crowd again. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think I'm shying away from the New York competition at all. Uh, I definitely think the fans are going to be super engaged, and I'm excited to see what the crowd's going to look like tonight and just feel the energy at Yankee Stadium, and hopefully the boys will get going.
0: See, you want to give Tristan a preview of what it might be like pitching as an opponent on a Yankee Stadium playoff mound?
1: Oh, no, it's
2: going to be. You know what? I've actually never pitched here as as an opponent. No, you were in in Cleveland. Yeah, that's right. So I I don't know what it's like to pitch. uh, (laughs) But I do know what it's like to pitch in Cleveland during the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) On both sides of that. But, uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, having a chance to go back home and pitch at home in, in that atmosphere um, the first game, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, having that chance to, to 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 see it all, go through the intros and all of that stuff. Um, you think that helped you, right, going out in game two?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think being able to like almost watch Bieber go out there and dominate and pitch his game that he's been doing all year, and being like, well, I mean, I can try, I can just try and follow up with that and just do what I've been doing all season. And I think I went out there and tried to try to keep it as even keel as possible. But anytime I got to two strikes, I'd hear the crowd and I. I'd get like super amped up. And it was just like, in those situations, I I tried to take take my swings and, and try and like punch guys out. But I think outside of that, it was more just trying to find my rhythm.
0: How, how about the Cleveland organization, Tristan? You mentioned Bieber, you know, the long line of outstanding arms, you know, dating back to when C was there, but it's continued with a fury since then over the, you know, recent history, you being one of these pitchers. What is it about the organization and the organizational development that you guys have seemingly, you know, endless supplies of outstanding starting pitchers?
1: Uh, I think it's a culture. I think it's a, I think if I had to sum it up in one word, it's a culture. I think like when I get drafted and I don't necessarily know what takes back from Cleveland because I'm fresh out of high school. I'm literally just entering a new professional organization, but I can look to the top and look at guys like Corey Kluber uh, Trevor Bauer at the time, who's pitching really well. Mike Clevenger. I see guys that I can go. All right, these guys are up there and they're at the top of their sport. You have a Cy Young winner, multiple Cy Young winners. You have guys that are out there winning games back to back to back, and they're going about their business a certain way. It kind of just when you talk to the pitching coaches, uh, when you talk to them about being like, okay, so you've you've worked with Corey, you work with him, you work with him. Like, what makes him successful? Uh, and a lot of it is literally just them talking about how they go about their business in between their starts so that when they actually do have time to go out there and pitch, like they're, they're out there just having fun and doing their job. They're not necessarily worried about what happened two days ago or what their mechanics are looking like or what's going on behind them. It's more about them just going out there and putting their best foot forward. I think it's just a culture and I think it's just kind of, it's repetitive. I learned it. I think the guys behind me learned it and it's going to keep going.
2: Yeah, and it's just, you know, that, that the organization, they do a good job of maturing guys. Like he said, you know, understanding what you need to do in between starts. Like getting drafted and getting into the minor leagues, we all know that we have talent. I think the 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 Cleveland organization organization does a great job of making you letting you understand what's gonna separate you from the group. You know what I'm saying? Whether that's mentally, physically, whatever you need to do, they figure it out and, and help you mature in a way that it, it helps you out on the field, but off the field is where you grow the most. You know what I'm saying? And the first thing I, I heard from Tony Amato, who is the the equipment manager, who is somebody that I love and trust in that organization, first thing he told me about Tristan McKenzie he was like, you're going to love him. And I knew he wasn't talking about on the field. And that's something that, you know, that organization, you know, they do a great job of just, you know, drafting and 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 putting the right humans in their organization that just happen to be good baseball players. You know what I mean? So they're all receptive to the to the knowledge and everything that everybody has in the organization. And it makes it easy to develop guys when you're drafting the right people.
0: Mm-hmm. Something you could feel in the minor leagues as well, Tristan?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think like I have lasting friendships with guys that I got drafted with, guys that got drafted after me, guys that got drafted before me, just based on who they were as people, how we interacted off the field, how we got along. And I think on top of that, I think it allows me when I play with guys like Bieber or Savali or police sack in the past, or I'm friends with Will Benson since he's got drafted. Like I think these are lasting friendships. Like I'm, I'm on a team with guys that I'm personally friends with. I, I want to hang out with them outside of the field. And I think that just adds to our, our camaraderie on the field and just how we play for, play for each other.
0: Now, Tristan, you correct me if I'm wrong, but if you did not, get drafted and, and go to Cleveland, you were going to actually go study to become a doctor. Is that right? That's correct. Is that something that you still want to pursue someday? And you're not going to need to, but is it something that you have any interest (laughs) in, in the aftermath of of your baseball career?
1: Uh, I mean, I've, I've honestly put a lot of thought into it. I don't necessarily know if I'll want to be a doctor. I think that's a lot of school in terms of just post baseball and my age and a lot of stuff, but, uh, I think it's definitely something that I'm still interested in. I think it's something that almost drives me today. Like when I talk to my training staff in terms of how my body feels, I think I look at it from almost a different perspective.
0: Where did that come from?
1: Uh, I think is I, I think I, my, both my parents are in the medical field, and I was almost always surrounded by it, and I took a liking to it. But I think I, I always like try to give back, and I love helping people. And from a young age, I wanted to, to be a surgeon because I thought, the best way I could get back was by, by trying to save people's lives or by helping them that way.
0: Hmm. That's really cool. cool. Really okay. cool. Really cool. I know. It's like, I'm glad we're getting to see you in the major leagues now, but I also would have been fascinated to see you dominating at Vanderbilt while also, you know, going to become a, a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. That'd be a pretty cool story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it really would. It really would. Tristan, how about, um, you know, for you, I know I've read a lot about the way you, you give back and, and, uh, specifically, I know, uh, I believe there was a 13 year old gunshot victim who you spent a lot of time with this past year. Um, and just like follow-up visits and, and a lot of your community work in Cleveland reminded me of my podcast co hosts, and, and the work that, that he constantly does, not only in Cleveland, but, you know, here in, in New York and, and, uh, everywhere that he's been back in the Bay as well. You know, what, what kind of is your focus as you go in and you try and give back your time like that, or even in this specific case with the the teenager who, who you've spent time with, what kind of is your focus as you're, you know, as you're giving back your time and, and you're, you're using some of your resources to help these people?
1: So I participate in a, a mentorship program called True to You. Uh, and I think what I mainly try to impart through that mentorship program is as much as I'm a major league baseball player and to a degree, I'm a celebrity or a high profile person in Cleveland. Uh, I came from somewhere just like they come from somewhere. Uh, I'm a regular person, just like they're a regular person. And I try to impart that to as many of the kids that I mentor, as many of the kids that I talk to at my camps uh, that I can, just because I believe that I'm no different from any one of them. Uh, I could have very well been in another way of life. I could have been a doctor. I could have been a lawyer. I could have been anything else. But I think baseball is just kind of how it ended up for me. And I think just trying to impart to, to a lot of those young kids that there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made in your future, and you never necessarily know what's going to happen. But you shouldn't look at something as unreachable because it may not necessarily be for you right this second. And I try and impart that to kids as much as I can.
0: And see, Tristan is mature as hell at 25 years old, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, uh, and, and that's what I was saying about that organization. You know what I mean? Um, having a chance to, you know, be in that organization, be around these 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 young players. This is who they this is who they are. You know, and and I think you know. You know, how, how Tristan said, you know, be, being able to, to show up in communities and, you know, show kids that, you know, and for me, I think it's, it's it's important for kids to know that and understand that we come from the same type of communities and the same neighborhoods that you come from. Like, they see us sitting on TV or sitting somewhere and they think it's unattainable. And, you know, for me, it changed my life when Dave Stewart walked into my, my Boys and Girls Club. I say that once a week on this podcast. So for me to, to walk into a, a Boys and Girls Club in the Bronx or in Cleveland, or in, or in California, and if it changes one kid's life, it was all worth it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, I mean, it, it makes it, it makes giving back, you know, a, a, a obligation for me, because I know how much it changed my life.
1: Yeah, I, I'd like to follow up with that. I think, like, she says it, like, if I go and I change one kid's life, uh, or, and I think for me, it's just like, I don't know, for me, it may be a little thing, but to the kid, it could mean the world, and that's really all that, that matters to me. If I go and I run a camp, and a kid comes back with a baseball that I signed and three weeks from now, he doesn't remember it, but he remembers getting the baseball and just the elation and joy. He felt like that's all that means to me in the end of the day. Like, I just want the kids to be happy and I want them to enjoy like my presence and just being in certain situations.
0: Tristan, you were born in Brooklyn, right? Where did you live growing up? Where was your geographical route before playing high school in Florida?
1: So, I mean, I, I, we moved down to Florida when I was about five OK, so I've been I'm a Florida boy, but I have I got Brooklyn roots. I got New York roots. I got a ton of family up here. Uh, we lived up here for a little bit. My family, uh, this, this is where my parents met. Uh, so
0: they, a little bit of so, both.
1: So, so you got you, Brooklyn roots for sure. Then yeah. like You
2: got New York roots. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, my, I got I got lots of family up here.
0: So are they are they all at Yankee Stadium for games one and two?
1: No, no, no! I don't, I don't need any Yankees fans beating up on <laughs>
0: oh, It's funny. I, I already told one of my friends who's from Cleveland, uh, who's going to one of the games with me. Hey, I, I'm not going to be around you if you're wearing any Cleveland stuff. I don't want to catch any shrapnel. All, no problems. Is, yeah. is it that bad? Is it bad
2: like that? Fruko or no? I don't. I mean, I wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. It's, you know what No,
0: no. I know. It it depends, man. They, I it depends. It depends where you are, who you're around. You know what I mean? Like it, every once in a while, I will. So say, then, yeah, you,
2: it's bad. Then. It can be so bad. It
0: <laughs> can be bad. It can be bad. Yeah, it can
2: be bad. You didn't want to <laughs> shit on your own fan base, but well, yeah, so
0: it's bad. Because the worst I've ever experienced was Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia in the 09 world series. Oh my gosh. The I'll stuff I that. witnessed, I was like, this is crazy. Like I, I literally, I was wearing a Yankees hoodie or something like that. I took my, uh, my friend had like brought a jacket that he wasn't wearing. I was like, I'm putting this right over man. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not going to be taking any more of this, man. It's i uh, uh, I'm sure your outfielders will have plenty to say about it. Tristan.
1: I'm gonna. Oh, don't worry. I'm gonna be trying to talk to Miles after every half inning. Hear what those guys got to say.
0: It'll be entertained. We've had Mookie. Mookie's told us some funny stories where he is thoroughly entertained uh, out there in the outfield. He has yes. been during uh, Yankees, Red Sox in the past before he went to the Dodgers. Tristan, how about your curveball, man? C and I love getting into some of the you know X's and O's of baseball, especially when we talk to other pitchers. Your curveball's is filthy this year. You know, your your major league rank, your curve was first in opponent average. It was fourth in opponent slugging. It was first in K percentage, third in whiff percentage. How did you learn your curve?
1: Uh, It's the same curve I've been throwing since I was probably like nine. I changed my grip like a little bit, but I literally just like moved up on the ball. Uh, It's the curve my dad taught me, and it's I don't even, I don't know, know, know how to explain it. It's kind of <laughs> like second nature.
0: Why is it so nasty, man? Uh, honestly,
1: I think a majority of why my curve works well is because of my fastball. Mm. I think my fastball is not necessarily overpowering. It's not 95 to a hundred all the time, but I think even my 90, 91s or my 93, 95s, like they get on guys. And when I throw the curveball ball off of it, it's kind of hard for them to lay off of it. I was about to say, he throws the
2: curveball ball off of his heater. You know what I mean? So it looks exactly like the, the heater until it's not. So it's it's exactly the same. The same arm motion. It's the same. It's the same whip. Everything he uses the same until it looks for a hitter. It looks the same until it's not. Until it's break. Until it's falling off the table. So Mm. I think this the deception of it looking exactly the same. You know what I'm saying? So it's the tunneling of of you know him actually getting into the same spot every time with the fastball, and he throws the curveball off of the heater.
1: And I and I will say I've been like my dad taught me to throw fastballs up in the zone at like nine or 10 because I wasn't actually throwing breaking balls. So I was using fastball changeup super early on and just trying to like move my heater around and then use my off speed off of that. And I think once I got to a certain point where I saw how well the tumbling worked, especially when I threw the heaters up in the zone that they didn't necessarily want to swing at, but they had to respect the heaters up of the zone because I would throw the curveballs for strikes and then vice versa. When the curveballs are down, they kind of have to respect the heater at the bottom of the zone as well. So it just kind of played up. And then I think as my development is kind of incurred, As well as me getting to the major league level and talking to some guys and kind of brushing up with some guys, I think it's just gotten more refined.
0: Tristan, I love that your dad talked to that heater all the way back then and now you're using it in the big leagues. Like what when you're you get done with your playoff start, who who's the the first person you want to talk to? Who is it someone in your family? Is it is it a friend? Like who who are you like just anxious to have a conversation with? as soon as the game's over and you pitch like that in your playoff debut. Uh,
1: my dad, my dad's usually my first call. And if, if it's not him, it's my brother. Uh, those are the two guys that have been with me the whole time. And I always, I always get a nice text from my mom. Cause she knows how to, she knows how my emotions work after games. So she's, she's usually the one that I actually talk to. Sometimes my dad, <laughs> my dad doesn't get it and I'll have a bad game and he'll be like, so what do you got on the game? And I don't want to talk about the game at all. <laughs> uh,
0: it's It's funny how that works, right? Like, it's fun. I have this tradition with my mom before I do any broadcast, um, play by play, where she always texts me, look great, sound great. As soon as like the first thing she hears or whatever. it's like, I, since I, since I started, I did my first NBA game when I was 23 years old since then, like every single game. And it's just like, gets me in my right frame of mind. You know, my my dad,
1: my dad texts me before every game, he gives me a game plan in terms of like, establish your heater, get in the zone early, use your off-speed off of it. And I read him before every game. I text him back before every game. So he's usually the guy that I call after the game, just to be like, oh, like, what did you think on this? What did you think on that? And I think outside of myself, he's my biggest critic. So it's always good for me to bounce ideas off of him and just try and – because I think he has he has the most experience with me in terms of, like, how my mind works, especially when I'm out there competing. So I'm able to, like, talk truthfully to him and get, like, true information back out of him. So I love it. That's awesome to have that. You know what I mean? Where you can have that
2: and, and just be – to speak to yourself and then get that real feedback back. That's awesome.
0: That's so cool. I love that. So, what's Dad got on how to pitch Aaron Judge?
1: Uh, he's probably going to say, "Get ahead of him
0: uh, <laughs> and expand,
1: expand the zone from there." <laughs> I think anytime you're behind to that guy, you're in trouble. What, Absolutely. What,
0: what about Tristan? What does it do to have a guy like Judge batting leadoff for an opposing pitcher?
1: I think I think it'll. It, I think you just have to be ready from, from the get go. I think with this whole lineup, it's it's something to say that you have to be ready from the start. But when they got Judge Leading off, it's more like they're not giving you a break or even any time to kind of warm up or, or ease into the game. Like you gotta be locked in from, from the very first pitch.
0: Hmm. When you um when you're coming up and you're developing as a baseball player, what were your visions that you had for your baseball career? What do what did you think you could achieve and how is what you're experiencing now different or matching that? Mm,
1: I wouldn't say I set any like long-term goals for my career. It was more, I think going through the minors, a lot of it is like, where am I now? And and where am I trying to get to? And it's, I think it's a big lease for a lot of guys. Uh, And I think once I got here, it was more just like, I think I proved myself in the minors and I tried to dominate guys in the minors. And once you get to the bigs, there's like this, this big mental adjustment that a lot of guys face. And I think I had to face it as well. And I think over the past three years now, two and a half, three years, I've just gotten more into a, a mind state that I belong. I can go out there and compete. And it's more, not, not only am I trying to do it from pitch one to pitch hundred and whatever it is, or do it for my outings. I'm trying to do it from the beginning of spring training, until, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, my whole off season, my, my spring training, all of it. I think it's more of just a developmental curve and just trying to get to a point where I get to a certain mind state that I'm able to go out there and compete.
0: I know you're a big video game guy. Is it mixed into your game day rituals or superstitions? Depends
1: on how I'm feeling. Uh, a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of nights, like the day before I pitch, I try to get like, I'll grind ranked, is what the kids call it. <laughs> I'll, like, I'll grind ranked, but like, I'll get into like super competitive uh, ranked Apex games or I'll just try and play the game and get to like, I think video games is one of the only things that I get physically like, amped about outside of baseball everything else I'm like pretty mellow low key and video games get me to like that same like adrenaline rush and I love playing it competitively to like almost get myself in the same mindset that's it
0: that's, that's so cool it's so funny <laughs> I, I know I'm now like one of the old dudes seed because when I old hear dudes, you're yeah. old as fuck guys what are you talking well, about <laughs> well, well, because, because when I hear grind ranked I have no, no idea what Tristan's See, talking that's about why pref- no that's bullshit. why I prefaced
1: it and said the kids yeah yeah
0: <laughs> Very nicely done. I knew Uh, what that meant. I knew what that meant. I got a 12 year old. Yeah. Up there grinding right now. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, Tristan, when you take the mound game three, do you, are you, how do you think, how, how how do you think you're going to feel? Will you be nervous, excited, adrenaline pumping? What, what do you expect the feeling to be like when you take the mound in game three?
1: You know, I, I definitely think I'll be anxious and excited to pitch and all of that. I think it'll all depend on the game. So I think we'll see what, what happens here tonight and we'll see what happens on Thursday and kind of moving forward, trying to trying to get to a place where I'm not thinking about anything besides dominating those guys. I think I'll be in the same mindset regardless, but I think it'll be a little different based on what the series is at.
2: When do you allow yourself to go there, like, visually? Like, when you, when you started, like, you know, imagining, you know, the game or visually, like, start thinking through the game.
1: Are you there now or will you go... Couple of days before, uh, so I'll probably I'll probably do it on Thursday. I probably won't do it today. I'll probably try and enjoy the game and and kind of enjoy enjoy just being in Yankee Stadium, enjoy the fans, enjoy like the sights and sounds. Just because I'm I feel kind of far removed from pitching, but I think yeah. watching Bieber pitch on on Thursday and kind of just going out there and trying to almost analyze how he's going through the lineup and trying to pick up little things. Still watching the game and staying lighthearted, and then I think I'll I'll truly get locked in that that night before. Usually, I won't do anything like the day before, but that night before, or sometimes even the day before, you'll see me, I'll be a little more reserved, a little more to myself, like, not really talking to guys as much, like, more just trying to get to that that mind state. That's what, like,
2: I I would always tell myself, like, like, I would, if I wasn't pitching tonight and I was sitting on the bench, I would, I would be, like, visually Like thinking through my game, and I'll have to sit there and be like, "Bro, just enjoy this game, like relax, like that shit is like four days." You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 so hard not to like already be there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, enjoy tonight. Make sure you take that in and and enjoy everything tonight for sure.
0: Well. Tristan, we appreciate the time. Uh, C has made me a, a fan of you, and and you uh, have made me an even bigger fan now. Talking to you today, good luck in game three. Good luck the rest of the way. Congrats on all the success, and we know uh, this is just the first outstanding season of what's going to be an incredible career. So thanks so much for hopping on R two C two, man.
1: Thank you, Rod. Thank you, C. Appreciate you guys
0: having me on. Yes, sir. You got it, man. Take care. See you guys well i hope you enjoyed that conversation with tristan as much as we did you could see he's just a a really smart likable young man who dominated this season and uh yankees fans certainly hope he does not dominate on saturday and guardians fans certainly hope that he does we will have new episodes every thursday bonus episodes as well c and i will be reacting to different things throughout the playoffs and trying to make sure we're getting you really interesting playoff relevant guests as well. So make sure you're tuned in, can download our podcast, listen wherever you get your podcast. And as always, the full episodes are available on our YouTube channel, R2C2 on YouTube. Big thanks to Jackson, Sadie, Atta, our team who makes this thing go. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon. Peace, everybody.